Welcome to The Complete Musician, creativity at its core, exploring innovative musical ideas, thoughts, and techniques for the modern musician in today's society, with your hosts, James Nagus and Drew Phillips. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Complete Musician Podcast. This one's going to be a little bit special. Um, Drew and I were just at the Mid-South Horn Workshop in Wichita, Kansas, hosted by the one and only Jeb Wallace. And it was a fantastic weekend of performances and lectures and all things horn-related. And we were fortunate enough to present a lecture on the Saturday afternoon block. And this lecture was titled, Utilizing Technology to Enhance Your Online Musical Portfolio which is just a fancy way of saying how to use the internet goodly, right? So we presented this lecture, and we thought we would um, play the audio for you here today if you weren't able to be there at the lecture. Um, if you are listening and you were there, thank you so much. We really enjoyed having you in the audience, and um, we hope that you enjoy this podcast, what we've done in the past and what we will do in the future. Um, for the rest of you, this was basically us talking about how to use things like websites and YouTube and social media to cultivate your online presence. We really enjoyed putting this lecture together and presenting it, and we hope that you will enjoy the audio from it. So without further ado, here is the audio from our lecture from the 2018 Mid-South Horn Workshop titled, Utilizing Technology to Enhance Your Online Musical Portfolio. I'm James. I'm Drew. And uh, when we were thinking about what we're going to talk about today, one thing that we like to use is technology because technology is awesome, it makes life easier, um, and all of the above. So uh, what we thought we'd do is um, utilizing technology to enhance your online musical portfolio with Drew Phillips and me, as you can tell who made this powerful. Yeah, <laughs> I may have made it. Uh, but any of you right, are in the stage of like, writing academic papers and classes and stuff? Like, really dense titles are amazing, right? But uh, horribly boring. Um, so basically, this presentation is how to use the internet goodly mostly. There's a lot of technology that you can use, but um, especially in terms of things like your online portfolio, which we're going to talk a lot about, it really does require the internet. So, And your online portfolio is not just your YouTube links that you have here playing, it's your website, it's your social media accounts, it's all of those things that people can look up uh, about you on the internet. So actually we thought about starting this with an activity. So everyone has their smartphone, everyone's probably connected to Wi-Fi. So what we want you to do first is to Google yourself. Put your name in, see what comes up. And for me, I there's a lot of Drew Phillips out there. Like there's a lawyer and a baseball player and like some other things that I am not smart enough to do. And I, so I usually put Drew Phillips porn just to narrow it down a little. So you can do that if you need to. And see what comes out of If you have a unique last name, then it'll probably be easier. But even so, you know, what kinds of things about you come from? That's an interesting element. Anyone have anything uh, unusual pop up for them or hilarious? 
that you want to share? There's something like there. I'll tell you. It's PG. Right. A long time ago, when I used to Google myself before I really thought about being more present on the internet, a uh, I think I was either a doctor or a patient at a geriatric unit. <laughs> it was great. And like nothing to do with music. And I am well getting older, but not clearly old enough to be considered geriatric yet. Uh, anyone find some funny hits? Yeah. Okay, the creator of reverse perspective, an optical illusion of a three-dimensional surface where the parts of the picture seen are just aware actually being missed. It's an artist. Oh, that wasn't you who did that? That's not me. Oh, okay. No, you were talented. That's your new piece. And that's <laughs> art is not <laughs> art of those things. That all those things you do. Yeah. Anything else? <clears throat> yeah. Got my uh, my undergrad job when I worked in the entomology or bug lab at K State. Nice. The, uh, yeah, like the little bio about me being a music major working in the bug lab is still on the internet and nice. on the first page. A little dated, yeah, perfect. Uh, my drugstore is rated by the DEA. Good. <laughs> Good. Positive <laughs> thoughts. Okay. Yeah. I'm a famous NASCAR driver. Did you even know that before today? No. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It's a whole yeah. aspect of you. Um, I am, one, a writer on IMDb, two, an owner of an insurance company, and three, the global head of medical technology. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting tons of royalties for that. That's good. I've been arrested multiple times. Uh-oh. No. <laughs> Anyway, so the, the point is that when you Google yourself, uh, you want the best parts of yourself to come up and not how many times you've been arrested, even though it's not true, how many times that you've been incarcerated. You want to uh, showcase yourself as a professional, especially in this industry, right? Because your online presence is your presence to people who haven't ever met you in person. And the best way to control that is to put it out there yourself, right? And so the various kind of elements that we're going to talk about mostly today are, like we said, things like Facebook. How to cultivate that into something that's useful for you and something that's certainly not a negative. Um, YouTube, in general, just the process of recording and what you should, shouldn't do. Websites, Instagram, podcasts, and then has anyone, has anyone actually ever used LinkedIn in a positive way? Yeah? Have you gotten jobs from LinkedIn? Oh, see. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Besides connecting to various people, people giving you, like, is good at hopscotch, you know. Congratulating you on your work anniversary for something that you did <laughs> 10 years ago. All right. So, anyway. a lot of different things there. But let's start with Facebook. So, Facebook, again, it's the social media platform. I think, especially, our generations all have, right? As they get younger, uh, my wife is a middle school band teacher. And as her students came in, they actually didn't use Facebook much anymore because their parents had Facebook and that's super lame. So they all use Instagram. But for all of us right now in the present, we all have Facebook, right? And so Facebook, that social media, it's uh, like it says, a real life background check because be honest, okay? If you meet someone or you hear about someone that you're either going to meet or don't know, be real. You go into Facebook and you search them, right? Exactly. Like everyone does. Exactly. So what you have on there is indicative of who you are as a person. So that means that your pictures that you post that are public, that's great. Uh, but it's also the crazy rants you go on about the tofu place that the waiter was really rude to you. Like that's on there as well. So how are you coming off to the people 
that are searching you as this real life background check. Yeah, and I mean, that can be something from potential employers to when you're starting out teaching, like even student teaching or trying to get jobs in public schools to even uh, personnel managers and orchestras. Everyone, the first thing they'll do is they'll put your name in Google or go on Facebook, see you're connected to. Pretty much everyone is connected by one or two degrees of separation now. So it's really easy to find information. And so if you have negative things on your Facebook or things that can be construed as negative, then you may want to think about changing some of those things. I think we both know, and maybe you do too, know people who have lost jobs or gotten in trouble because of what they posted on, I see people nodding, like what they posted on the internet. Um, and so, it, it, or pictures you're tagged in, right? So, someone's like Facebook. Yeah, so that's, uh, it's really, that can be scary, especially when sometimes you have no control over it. But you do have a bit of control, especially when you're trying to present yourself in a professional way. Um, our next thing is about, about sharing and what you choose to share on the internet. Because, like I said, sharing is caring unless it's something bad, right? So again, not ranting about your employer or your boss. Or, or your students. Or other people in general. Because in the music world, our main rule is don't be a jerk. Because as soon as you take off somebody in the music world, they know someone else, just like you were saying. Two degrees of separation and your name will get around if you start bad mouthing or saying things that you probably wouldn't say to that person's face, mm -hmm. right? I mean, basically, I mean, let's be real, Facebook is a dull show to tell, pretty much, right? Like, look what I did, and oh, this is my thoughts. So, it's okay, I, like, you know, I think on my Facebook, I pretty much, I use it for, which ties into the next thing, like networking, like connecting with people, whether it's other professors or students or like-minded musicians of any sort, and so engaging people in that way um, and disseminating the future things like recordings or in our case compositions, that, I think that's great. Um, I'll also post stupid puns, pictures of food, and the occasional like puppy or something like that. That's not gonna offend anyone, I don't think, unless they're like super cat lovers, in which case maybe they might like, not like it. But this should be friends with you probably. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> just kidding, if you love cats, that's great. Uh, and we talked a lot about like what the bad things are to post, but it's also a really positive tool. Facebook can be something that can help you with networking. Uh, so we need to think about who we need to friend and how we go about promoting ourselves on the internet. Like you were saying, uh, posting about your compositions, right? And do the same. Uh, or friending people that you're going to meet or you have a professional relationship with. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, I think it always is a little hairy when it's people you haven't met. But it's fun. if you're in a professional relationship with someone or have worked with them before, there's nothing wrong with it. How many of you uh, are in a position of teaching, whether it's private lessons or public school or anything like that? Okay. Should you, this is a question to think about, be Facebook friends with your students? And why or why not? Yeah. I have registered friend requests with them, but I don't turn them down if they friend requests me. But that's because I keep my Facebook very clean. Right, right. You should check your school's policy. I, right now I'm waiting until students graduate before I let them friend me. Um, 
especially since I'm relatively close in age, like I have community college teaching, and I'm only 27, so I'm not that much older than them. Um, so just to keep like the professionalism kind of boundary between me and them, that's that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I think you do it. Oh, I think that's actually that's a fantastic point because I think we're kind of in that situation. I'm 29, and so uh, I teach at Liberty University. I'm not that much older than some of my students. Uh, what I do is I take from what you said, in which I don't initiate a friend request. I put it out there that they can become friends with me. And the reason I do that is because I like to tag them on the internet when they do re- things that I'm really proud of, and I like to post about it. And my kids get a lot of kind of validation and kind of satisfaction because they know that I care about them. If I'm making it public on the internet that I'm proud of them at their concert and take a picture with them and I attend it, then I want them to know that, that I, I am proud of them. And as well, my students, a lot of them, since Liberty is private, a lot of my students are from out of state. And so parents can't travel to see them and that kind of thing. So they don't often get to see what they're doing unless their kids are really into communicating with them. So that's a really good tool to use the internet. Um, but I don't initiate, I let them do it. And tell them, you know, I, once they see I'm tagging their friends, they usually send me a request. And I'll accept Right. I think that's one of the main positive uses of Facebook in terms of music settings, whether it's teaching or even performing, it's fostering a positive community. That, and you can shape that community, you can decide you know, what parts of it, but yeah, like you're saying with students, you know, showing them that you care in just a way like that, uh, if they still have Facebooks, or in Instagram, which we'll talk about, any of these venues too, um, that kind of communication I think is really important. So, okay. Should we go to the next one? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. YouTube, the ultimate time suck. YouTube, right? I think I've spent hours and hours on YouTube just typing in, well, corn, but then, you know, puppies yeah. and cat, and, uh, or other funny yeah. fails. Um, so, from time to time, we, uh, I, I know I've spent time doing this, I know we've done this at the same time. Uh, if you get out YouTube and just search horn or French horn, have you guys ever done that to see what comes up? Yeah, and then if you go and sort by upload date, you can constantly see a stream of what's being tagged on your instrument. So a lot of those, if you really want to time stuff, is to go listen to like the bad things, right? Guilty be pleasure. Exactly. It's actually the worst recordings out there. There's so, some pretty hairy ones. Um, but we like you want to your sticks. You'll find some really tasty ones if you search hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we search randomly on YouTube to see what comes up. Um, and I think on YouTube, I think we've learned now in the age of the internet that what is put online stays online. So what you put on YouTube needs to be really high quality. And we advocate for that. Like not putting something on the internet that you're not proud of, especially when it comes to you playing or teaching. Because some jobs require teaching interviews and things to be on video. Uh, but you want to make sure that you do promote your best. And we can even take that and go back to like the Facebook. I mean, it, let's not talk about horn people because that's like the, uh, what is it, the, the star? No, it's in Lion King, the, the Badlands. What's the, the place we don't go to? The Badlands. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Horn people, we just, we don't talk about them. We don't care. But otherwise, if you have friends that have feeds and they post videos like doing my warm-up session or playing this thing, and I mean, sometimes they're good. It's probably like the 17th take they did before they posted it, which is okay because then it's their best. But other times, you click a video and it's <laughs> what kind of impression does that leave on you? It's like it's great that it's a work in progress, but maybe you want to think about exactly 
what you're posting. Exactly. So on the internet, especially when it's video, you want to make sure that you're posting your best quality playing and not your random practice sessions, right? Like I think we've all seen people like, I was practicing and I've only learned this for a week and here's Adagio and Allegro, ah! is the, kind of the worst thing ever. Um, so again, it stays on the internet. You really don't want to promote that. But I think we have on here that video is the king of all mediums right now, right? Um, I know when we were looking for our jobs, we had to submit videos of us playing. It wasn't just audio recordings. We had to prove that it was a live thing. And a lot of the things we put out now are us playing in person. Right, for jobs, for festivals, for even if you're cultivating your own private studio, if you're recording all state etudes or examples of solos for your students, video is the way to do it. Also, video is harder to manipulate um, your you know, super cut version of where you're chopping every single note and adjusting intonation. It can still be done, and if you have the time and tenacity to do that, then I guess props to you. But for the most part, it's just proving that you know it's actually you playing number one. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so video, and the thing with video too is that I think we've all been in a situation where we have to submit videos for something or have videos, and nothing is worse than scrambling at the last minute to try to get that perfect take. Right? It's like, I have a day, I have to submit these festival recordings tomorrow. Oh no, <laughs> I don't have the, the videos. So one thing that we definitely encourage our students to do is to record videos early and often. Right? Don't put yourself in a high pressure situation where it's like, all right, I have my senior recital coming up, I gotta nail it because I have to have this recording sent in. You don't wanna stress yourself out doing that. But if you set up a schedule like, well, I'm gonna go in on Friday night and try to record Einhold and Laban. And then if it doesn't work out, so what? You have next week to try it, and you slowly chip away, but you're doing it in a comfortable setting, right? And getting it a little bit off topic, we use recording, even if it's not gonna be something that you put on the internet to showcase yourself, remember that recording is a powerful practice tool as well. I advocate for all of my students, everyone has a smartphone, everyone can put it on the stand and record 30 seconds and listen back to it. So just for a practicing standpoint, we record that, which goes into our tips for recording, of recording often, and very, very frequently, so that you can get your best quality when you decide to record for your festival or your job, or just to put something on the internet that's your best. Then you can, uh, then you can have something that you've kind of built up to. Because a lot of times for us, maybe you guys have experienced this, when you put that phone on the stand or put the recorder on, as soon as that light is on, suddenly everything changes. Has that happened to anyone? Because that certainly happened to me when I'm recording. It's like, oh no, suddenly I forget how to play the horn. Right, so you need to get used to doing that. Um, and as well, like James said, don't put the pressure of having a recital on the final take, right? You want to make sure that you built up to that or had a lot of other sessions before. Right, so as an example, I just searched my name. Now, luckily, I have a unique last name, so there's not going to be a lot, a lot of other things that come up. Uh, but one of the first things is my website, which we'll talk about having a website. And then within Google, the next thing is they filter by video. So in this case, the first video is actually of you playing one of my pieces that was in an uh, isolated recording session. Then uh, Ben Jerry, Jeff Wallace and Steve Cohen, when we did this at the Mid-South Workshop two years ago, live performance, I posted that on my channel. It wasn't anything that I had to do for a job, it's because it was a good performance, new piece, you know. And then this is um, another piece that uh, Laura Ciccarello actually just played yesterday. That it's not a video, it's just a still with a, with a recording. But again, I put it up there in advance of ever having to need to because I'm trying to have a lot of hits. So if someone goes to videos and sees, uh, let's see, I put that one up, you put that one up, I did that one, that one, 
that one. That, I mean, I put up all of these on my own personal channel. Controlling what's yeah. on the internet? Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. It, it's great if, you know, in a composition setting, this is a little different because you wouldn't have random people like impersonating you as a musician. That would be really weird. Um, but still, like if you have an old band recording or orchestra recording that you're tagged in or something like that that's out of date, then you want to supplement it with other things. Alright, so the next thing that we're going to talk about, I believe, in the next slide is... Oh, the no clickbait titles. Oh. Yeah, you, you're making a video. Ten horn hacks to fix your low range. You know, that's like the YouTube the, range right now. The best high register exercise ever. Right. In all caps. All caps range with like 7,000 exclamation points. Right. No clickbait titles. No, that's just yeah. too good for the beat. So, talking about websites, I think the main thing here is that you need one. That no matter what you're doing, like even if you're an undergraduate, you need to have and start your professional presence online if you haven't already. It doesn't have to be super complicated. I think part of my music technology classes in my undergrad was I had to make a website. And it was very basic. I think it just had a picture, a bio, and maybe some media or maybe a teaching philosophy since I was a music ed major. Uh, that was my website. It was not complicated. And it's grown and added and changed and been replaced over the years. But you need one. And I compare it to last night when we were looking for restaurants to eat at. We Googled, you know, good restaurants in Wichita and also cross-referenced with things we've seen driving around. I've never been to Kansas. This is my first time here, so yeah. And so I didn't know what was around. And if we saw something that we were like, that looks interesting, let's Google it, and there's no website, to heck if I'm going to go to that, that place and eat and put that food in my mouth, because gross. If no one has made some kind of online statement about it, even if it's a review, I am not going there. I think it's the same as a professional musician in, some, or in any capacity, is that you need to have a presence so people can find out what you're all about. Right. And also kind of jumping over to the contest thing, if say you're looking for a restaurant to eat at, what do you expect, what are you looking for at that website? Mm -hmm. A menu, hopefully some hours of operation, right? So that's not just about having a website, it's about having a website that has content that someone who's looking to you wants to see. So in the case of performance, it might be video examples of you playing, it might be teaching, teaching philosophy. Um, it might just be your contact information, like, hey, this is me, this is what I do, I'm a professional musician, I gig with blah, 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 you need to contact me, here's how to reach me, you know? It can be one, just one page, still better than nothing, right? So some of the, um, the easy ways to do websites, there's sites like Weebly, there's sites like Wix, Squarespace, you really want to, I did it the not smart way, which is I kind of taught myself HTML. Um, which is the very smart way. Nope. It was uh, finding a template and then just going into the code and altering it. So this is, for example, the website of our horn duo here. Um, I found this template online and then just altered it. It looks really fancy and there's a whole bunch of widgets and things. Um, but essentially we have, you know, what we, who we are, what our philosophy is, what we can offer, and then what other people have said, we have photos, all, you know, stuff. That's really hard to see, sorry. The contrast. And then most importantly, contact. So if someone is interested in what we do, you can contact. I don't know, your website. I made mine through Wix. And it's, there is a, a price to buy the domain, but I wanted to have that. And because my name, Drew Phillips, is pretty common, I added Horn onto it and it was free. So your name probably end Horn or whatever you'd like to focus on, probably okay. 
And just for um, an example, if you don't have a website, I mean, a domain costs, like, what do you pay for your domain? Like Which is 10 bucks. Yeah, so the actual oh, title of Jerry Phillips Horn is $10 a year. Mine is, yeah, about $10 a year for just the, the address itself. And then if you also get a hosting space, like to put the website up to, that can be either free to like right. 50 bucks. Um, which if you have a student reach out to you or, or a gig, that'll pay for itself in one instance, if you think about it that way. Exactly right. So, um, so the content I have on here is I have, this is my home page, and then obviously I have this biography, I think you can read that. Um, upcoming events of what's, what I'm going to be at in case anyone wants to come here and play at something. Uh, have all those kind of things. Uh, I have our duo up here, uh, which has a photo negative on our little icon. Um, what else do we have? Compositions and arrangements where you can hear there are links to all of my things. Uh, the duet book I wrote that people have gotten to play with their little kids to play higher, and then media, and then the contact page. So that's just some of the content I have. And then mine is very similar stuff. Philosophies. For me, compositions. If you do arrangements, you do other things. Performance, which is just you know a whole bunch of videos, ones in a specific order too, because people just like you read in order, you listen to videos usually in order, so you can cater even the way that people are listening to you, putting your best foot forward, your strongest performance. Um, if you do anything like engraving, or if you're into marching shows, you know this is a chance to showcase that kind of stuff too. And contact information. All that kind of stuff. And I'll say this too, in various uh, interviews that I've taken, there is one uh, job that I got that specifically, they said, well, one of the reasons we, we brought you in is because we really liked your website and your YouTube channel. So, I'm like, wow, okay. I didn't know it had that much impact, but it really does. So if you're making something nice, then that can be a huge asset. So when you're doing your website, especially when you're looking at your contact info, make sure it's accessible and easy to find. I've been to several uh, websites, or I've known people that I can't get in contact with because it's not readily accessible, or there's not a separate tab or something, or you have to search through everything. Make it really easy to find. You don't want to have people searching and associating difficulty with your name trying to find out how to get in touch with you. Yep, should we go on to the next part? Then? Yeah. I don't know much about Instagram because I have an account, but it's just really, I, I don't put any words, it's just random pictures, so it would be like the legs of a chair. And I post maybe once a month. And so if anyone, so if people randomly follow me, I don't know how they found my thing, it just must have been through email. They must be just as confused as heck, it's like, what is going on? Right. I don't use Instagram much. Uh, I put up every once in a while a story, and most of the time it's musical, and most of the time it's my students, and it's I've asked them if that's okay because that's only something that's available for what, like 24 hours. Is that right? 12 hours? I don't know the actual time. Uh, yeah, Snapchat. Yeah. No, no, no. On Instagram, your story is only available for a certain amount of time. Anyway, uh, but that's usually what it is. It's usually musical stuff. Uh, but I, my students do follow me, but the only things up there are things of music, or my wife, or uh, my sister-in-law's puppies. That's about it. But like you said, this could be a great vessel for something that's not Facebook, that's not as personal information. It's a way to connect people to broadcast information um, that's just another thing. And the main thing with this, Instagram slash all these other things, I guess one of the takeaways is don't be afraid to experiment with these things. Um, I mean, we all probably, some of us had MySpace accounts that had those particular ways. No one, Tom, everyone wanted to be friends with them and then they left him. So, poor guy. Okay. I know, poor Tom. Poor Tom. 
But it, try to stay on top of new and emerging technologies because they all have their advantages. A lot with Twitter and stuff like this is that you can do condensed, you can search by you know, hashtags or various keywords and things. So that can be a good way to not only broadcast new information, but also find new information and connect with new people in, in new and interesting ways. I was just going to say with, with Instagram and things like Snapchat and stuff, since they're so time sensitive with how the content's received, that they're really useful for promotion of like upcoming concerts, like this week, and then you post like every two days or so. Right. And it's a little bit better for that than like Facebook and things like that, which are kind of more of a YouTuber, like more of a profile, like a long term I know a lot of people who create hashtags for certain events, yeah, exactly. and then you tag a post, and then anyone who wants to find it, like, they can just search the hashtag. I'm guessing this has one. I'm sure there's like hashtag miss out or workshop, and if there's not, then you need to all create it right now and Instagram a selfie or something of yourself right. here. Is there anything else we're going to say about that? Uh, that's pretty self-explanatory. Podcasting. Who listens to podcasts? Who knows? Who knows what podcast is? <laughs> Hopefully. A good portion, but I, you know, podcasts are a different medium. Uh, some people think that they're dying. Other people, I mean, I think they're actually kind of thriving. It's just a different way of both broadcasting information, but also just listening to it. I mean, hopefully you're not in your car like watching YouTube videos if you're driving. Or movies. Or movies, yeah, or surfing Facebook. But you could listen to a podcast. Right? That's what I usually use is for long drives or to and from work. I just turn on my favorite podcasts. Uh, like you're saying, it's it's a way to get not only you know what you're about, but what you believe in. I think, and that's what we do. We have our own podcast, which for shameless promotion at the bottom of the page is called the Complete Musician, where we believe in people being not only good horn players or good musicians in general, but we believe you need to be really well rounded. And so we talk every. I think like two weeks has been a pretty good average. We, we're gonna like we're gonna do this every week. We're gonna submit a new thing and then like yeah, that didn't happen. Essence, like on the way. Yeah, we realize that. So about every two weeks, we get on uh, Skype and we and we talk and we record the audio and put it out on different topics. But we try to make it really educational uh, with also some humor mixed in because we're not robots and because we also enjoy listening to people who use humor. Um, and recently, we've been adding silly sound effects, mm -hmm. which are really fun to use and listen to. Um, and diverging into crazy uh, segments mm -hmm. that we've done lately, like the, I think we did like the top 10 weirdest classical music facts mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, or we make unofficial commercial sponsors for our podcast and then record the commercials. And like, really weird voices. What were some yeah. of the, the products? Um, we invented a restaurant called Ein Hildenburger. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, where your dining experience makes you a hero. But not like a hero, but like the Greek sandwich. Right. Um, we did a we did a slip and slide water park for brass players. That was one Spin, of drip, and slip. Spin, drip, and slip water park for brass players. Um, we did, uh, we also went, both of us, we're very fortunate to go and be moderators and, and uh, announcers at the CMPA Classic. CMGA. Yeah. CMGA, that's right. Classical Music Golf Association Classic. Right. And playing on uh, golf courses like the Rite of Spring, which the hole is Rite of the Spring, um, and, other, and other stupid things like anyway, that. Anyway, so we, we use humor and really ridiculous things to make it enjoyable. So we're not always talking about humor. But uh, this is just a different and unique way to get your ideas out there. And again, what we believe in being a well-rounded musician, we try and 
share those topics because we don't think that our knowledge is a hidden secret and one that we want to keep from people. We want to constantly educate and uh, also share with other people what we're doing and learn from each other. Right, and the reason why we started it too and we keep doing it is because honestly, it's fun. Like you just get a buddy and you just, you chat about things, you have a good time. And uh, we thought it would be fun just to have another way of representing ourselves, you know, like all of this stuff. So when an employer or when someone is looking, it's like, oh, they have this and this and this and this and this. There's no better way to promote being well-rounded than to actually live it, right, and doing these different things. And in the horror world, I mean, we also have Adam's podcast, Pathways. There's Crushing Classical, which is Tracy Friedlander. She's out of North Carolina right now. I think she's an old Chicago player. Um, she's not, sorry, that was terrible. Uh, she is played in Chicago at one point. Yeah, there you go. And now she's in North Carolina. But her podcast is about uh, kind of extending the classical experience, not just getting the normal jobs of you know, teaching in a classroom or being an orchestral player. There's so many more things. And her podcast interviews innovative classical musicians that go and have created their own careers on chamber music or starting festivals or doing all of these different things. And she advocates that you can do anything you want to if you're strong enough and brave enough to go promote yourself. Right, and then John Erickson has the Horn Notes one, uh, which is very educational podcast and each of these will have different topics. We wanted ours to be kind of pedagogical or creative. So we talk about things from horn pedagogy to composition to what we're working on with our students on a weekly basis. I mean it's just a whole bunch of different stuff. We're in a mini series right now of creative activities for getting better technically at the instrument. It isn't horn specific at times. Uh, but going through and, and thinking about the things that we have to do like articulation and trilling and uh, flexibility, but using creative ways to get better at it, rather than just like the trill one. Instead of setting the crush five on the stand and constantly clicking up that metronome, doing some different things like doing upper and lower, lower neighbor tones on nursery rhymes and speeding that up and that kind of thing. I interesting things. So we think we uh, we like to showcase the creative side of what we do. Right. And so if you listen to podcasts, kind of a fun exercise for me to take that, assuming it's, well, it doesn't, it could be music or it could be something else, and then combining that with music or your musical passion, maybe you love Bruckner symphonies, so why not do a podcast on Bruckner symphonies? It'll be really long, I'm sure, and it'll stop and go, like, every 20 minutes. But you know what? Maybe it hasn't been done before, so why not? Um, the important thing I think about podcasting is a lot of people are scared of it because they don't think that they have anything important to say, but it, think it's important to know that you do have something important to say because you are your own person and you're unique just like everybody else. So you have this wealth of knowledge associated with you that you can connect to the musical world and showcase yourself in a, in a creative and you know, professional way. Mm -hmm. Cool. And that brings us to are there any questions? And this could be questions on the stuff we just talked about or Anything we do, or you like, if you have good brisket recipes, I'm always looking for that as well. But yeah, yeah, um, I'm interested in what um, actual devices you use to kind of make all these things. Um, I think, like, I, I've been using like, a Tascam recorder for a while. It seems to be doing okay, but I'm just curious what you guys use to record your podcasts and your videos and things like that. Right. Um, so, Tascam, Zoom, those recorders can all be fantastic. I know for the podcast, I'm currently using, it's um, an Audio-Technica AT2020 USB mic, and there's like blue Yeti mics, and there's 
um, a whole bunch of things that at less than $100 microphones. You definitely don't need to spend any money, like a lot of money to get started. Um, you could even use a built-in microphone. Or a lot of these, you can use um, cast cams or whatever, you can plug in as a USB mic directly into the computer. So that's what I use for podcasts. I know you do a similar thing. I do similar. I use Audio-Technica microphones, but I wanted to, I was using for, I think our first couple, I used my H4 Zoom uh, for a little bit. Uh, but I think I took like some gig money or something and decided I'm gonna get something much higher quality. So I use Audio-Technica, uh, I have two mics. So I record stereo. Um, and I also use the audio interface, the Scarlett. To you advise me, I, I don't remember exactly what it's called. Yeah. The Scarlett 2.0 interface that I plug in uh, to get the nice recordings. But that's other than that, we Skype and we record our own audio since we're doing it from apart remotely. Yeah, I mean you can just piece it together using any kind of DAW, which is either like Audacity, Reaper, Pro Tools, you name it. Any of those types of softwares can work. In terms of recording good quality video and audio, that can be a little trickier. Uh, you can use one of these types of recorders, especially if it has a built-in video. Uh, you want to make sure it's at least 720p, 1080 would probably be the minimum if you can do it. If you have access to universities or schools, there's a chance that there might be some high quality mics or devices that you can borrow, because that can get a little expensive. Good microphones start at like 150 each. So it can go just skyrocket to those microphones that come in their own little shaped wooden boxes, you know? You have to like pamper and everything. Um, but yeah, so microphones can't get pricey. Right. For video at least, I'll tell you like the Saga video, that was, up, uh, that was recorded, I'm really amazed at the quality of my iPad and the video. It was a lot higher quality than I remember it being. So that's, that video was taken right on my iPad. Um, now the audio was different, but oh, I, I use my iPad for that. And actually, for all my videos, I just use my iPad just do front-facing camera. So. I just had a, a student of mine record excerpts for it was um, a local army band audition, and we just because we had to do it pretty quick. Um, he just told me about it last minute, and so he had his phone on a stand, and we ended up using that audio, and it was the front-facing camera. And ended up winning the gig, so it was good enough. The thing to be careful of when you're doing video is possible check and see like what it looks like. In this case, the, the light balance was really weird, so it was very washed out, it had this nice glow out of it, right? Um, so you just wanna check those things. And if possible, this is why you should record early and often, because then you get a chance to see and listen, like, okay, what does this sound like? Maybe I need to move the mics closer because they're too far back and everything is boomy, or maybe you need to experiment with a different space because you're getting these weird sympathetic vibrations or bounces. I think with video, at least, the quality is definitely gonna vary based on what equipment you're using. But as long as it doesn't look like it was recorded on a potato, I think you're okay. <laughs> uh, because not everyone's gonna have an iPad, but if you have like a way you're recording your audio and just do like a video on your phone, then it would probably be okay. Uh, I mean, it's not going to look like the digital archives from the Berlin Field, but that's because they're <laughs> professionals and have all that money. So you do what you can, as long as it doesn't look like it was from like the '60s, recorded on a videotape that no one has a VCR anymore to play. I think it'd be okay. Recommendation: Don't record in a small practice room with your phone on a stand that's below you, so you get the up chin shot, because that doesn't look good on anyone, unfortunately. You all know the accidental surprise forward-facing camera and go, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's 
many tears have been shed over that one. But so just look at what it looks like before you submit things. Any other questions? Yes, sir. On one of your earliest slides, you skipped the last thing, and it's about avoiding. I don't know if it's a word avoiding it or something. Oh, avoiding okay. oh, okay. titles. Yeah, what's that? That's like, <laughs> on the YouTube videos when they have, I, I always think and see you in all caps, uh, that are things like you were saying, the, this is the, I'm the best horn player on earth. And then you, you click it because you're like, are you really the best horn player on earth, you know? Uh, or, I don't believe what happens, you know, like it's something that makes you feel like, oh. Right, and then it has really no good content. That's it's, what I think. It's the YouTube title equivalent of having an email that you submit for a professional thing that's like super horn god 23,000 at Yahoo.com. Yeah, or luscious lips at Gmail. You know, don't do that. <laughs> don't <laughs> Which is another thing entirely we're talking about, like professional resume. Yeah, it's have a professional email. Email. <laughs> yeah, that's your email. Are there any other questions? Oh, yeah. So I, that's perfect. I, uh, this year and last year, I have an A2 project my students do that they have to, every, I think, two weeks, have to submit an A2 to me to make sure that they're honest and actually practicing their A2s instead of just coming in and being like, oh, we're going to spend today. No, I'm going to make sure you submit something to me. And I make them submit a video right from their phone. Right from their phone. It keeps them honest, and I know they're practicing. But they have to submit it to me. We use at Liberty the the uh, submission uh, thing called Blackboard. I don't know if it's whether yeah. Okay, we use Blackboard. I've used Moodle all time and stuff like that. <laughs> right, downtime in the best times possible. Anyway, uh, that's when I use it. I, I use video for that, and I'm not concerned so much about tone quality because recording on your phone, the tone is like, Ugh. but the video is good enough so I can see what they're doing, and I'm getting a sense of are you playing the right notes? Are you playing musically? You know that kind of thing. But that's how I use it. It can be a great pedagogical tool. Now, the one thing is you want to advise them to keep it unlisted, so then someone searching their name doesn't come across their their trombone methods assignment, where they're struggling to remember which end to blow into. And later on, I, I tell my students that they should save them and not delete them, because later on, when they're you know seniors, they can go back and say, "Well, this is what I sound like when I was a freshman. It's totally different now, and it's a saved archive." But I think for especially younger generations, this is really important to kind of instill in them because. There's so many videos of just weird things on YouTube, like young kids having computers and putting videos of them singing along mm -hmm. to uh, Frozen. Frozen. Yeah, Frozen, or uh, what was the Af Africa by Toto, I think. Oh, the Acapella app. Yeah. So, one of the songs that everything you put online stays online. So that's, again, the kind of. So, instilling the musical quality in them from an early age instead of just, I'm going to vlog. And I'm not going to talk about anything, but I'm going to put it on the internet. That's there forever. And unfortunately, they'll read with us up. But, you know, hopefully we can uh, instill it in the generations to come through us that we're putting our best online, putting our best forward. Any other questions about internet or us or anything? Awesome. Well, thanks for coming. I hope you have time to get some lunch or dinner already. Um, by the way, this. I'm sorry if you came here expecting that we'd mess with this stuff, because this is all Jeff's stuff. It's amazing. This is our clickbait title. Yes. <laughs> 27 cool instruments that doesn't apply to our lecture. 
And that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Like I said, this one just is a little special, a little unique. Um, our next episode will get back into our usual routine of things. But um, if you have any questions or comments either regarding this lecture or if you um, have any other thoughts about some of our other shows, feel free to drop us a line at cormotohorn at gmail.com or visit our website, cormotohorn.com. And just one plug, too. We just posted a free piece of music. It was a music piece that was created uh, as a prize from a raffle we did just about a year ago uh, during a live stream. So definitely go over to our download section and check out that piece called Soar and Groove. We think you'll really like it. So again, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.